Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. I have it on, on the screen here as well, if you don't have a Bible. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city, the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there, confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them, abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth sometimes things get lost in translation don't they you imagine a world without Spanish class or French classes or the Rosetta Stone that you might get on the computer? Can you imagine a world uh, without translators that if you went to a foreign company, foreign country, you would not need a translator to translate anything for you? Wouldn't that be interesting? You know, Matt and I, not long ago, uh, Matt, you remember the, the couple came in with a little boy and they, they, were, uh, they, were from, they were from Mexico and they spoke Spanish and they were trying to get in Miss Linda's uh, Tuesday-Thursday school. And they didn't speak any English or un poco English, you know. And that's about how much Spanish Matt and I spoke, you know. And they were in there and they were trying to do something good for their child. But they couldn't get us to understand it, what they wanted. And, and I was wanting to understand. Matt and I, we were trying to be helpful. And we really wanted to understand because, I mean, there were souls at stake. There was a little boy present. We kind of got the jest. They, you know, he sent us a paper and Tuesday, Thursday school, something like that. Well, I got on Google Translator. Have you ever been on that before? You can type in on the left-hand side of Google in English, and it will send it over in Spanish. So I was typing in, we were coming up with all kinds of stuff, weren't we? Trying to speak in our broken Spanish, and they were speaking in their broken English, and I was typing in even worse English, and they were typing in, even I was trying to say it in even worse Spanish. But we finally got it out. But that was rough. That was rough. Things get lost in, in translation, don't they? Meanings. And it's hard to imagine a world where they didn't have 
any other languages but one. We don't know what language it was. A lot of people like to think that it was Hebrew, maybe, because it has an underlying of a, of a way that all the languages could, could, uh, could draw from Hebrew. But we don't know. We don't know what language it was that they spoke at the Tower of Babel, is what we call this story. It's a true event. It's a true story from God's Word. And, and, and again, uh, we learn a lot of lessons from this, particular, from this particular story in the Bible. We have been dealing with origins. We've been dealing with origins. Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Uh, and then God saw that everything was wicked on the earth. And so he destroyed the earth and he started again. So then we had Noah and his people and they, they started again, didn't they? We, we've been dealing with origins and that's what we're dealing with here. We're, we, our, our ancestors, our tutors, our, our early ancestors, they're teaching us some, teaching us some lessons. God's want, God wants us to understand certain lessons from these, from these old passages in the Bible, this true account of the Tower of Babel, it takes place about, about four generations after the flood. Uh, after the flood, Noah's family, look over at, uh, at Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. After, after the flood, Noah's family, they repopulated the earth. It says, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply the earth. And so we, we understand that Obviously, Noah had been doing just that, he and his, he and his children. And, uh, and look at uh, chapter 10, verse 32. Chapter 10, verse 32. It says here that, uh, <clears throat> that these, were the, these were the families of the sons of Noah. They've been given uh, all the names of those in, in chapter, chapter 10. These were the families of the sons of Noah according to their generations in their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. This, what you're reading right there in that particular verse is what's called a prolipsis. A prolipsis. It's a, it's a fancy word. It's a fancy term for saying, hey, Moses wrote this. Moses already knows what's going on, okay? But Moses is writing from the future about something that happened in the past, about something that's about to happen in the near future. Okay, you see what I'm, you see, are you, are you with me? No, Moses is writing about uh, something that happened in his past, okay, the flood, all right, and the generations that came after, all right, and then he's about to write about something that happened his, in his past, but his future to these people. These people at this time had not built the Tower of Babel. So we call that, we call that in, in language, we call that a prolipsis. And around 100 years after the flood, about 100 years after the flood, about 300 years before Abram is called. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, the call of, of Abram, all right? About 300 years before tonight's sermon, we have our passage here, the, the Tower of Babel. There could have been, and Doug, you, you, you talked last time, about numbers, you know, about before the flood, there could have been a, maybe a billion people on the earth. Well, smarter people than I have come up with how many people were, were maybe here on the earth around that 100-year mark, and there may have been 30,000 people on the earth at this time. Now think about that. Over all the earth, there's just 30,000 people. I, I, I looked online. I tried to find a city around us that had 30,000 people. You know the city I found? Gallatin. Gallatin has 30,000 people. So if you can imagine 
a people as big as Gallatin, Tennessee, that's how many people are there on the earth. And they're all in one place. They all want to be together. They don't want to be divided. They want to be unified. We're going to talk about unity here in just a minute. We know from, uh, free, from Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Look over there, Genesis chapter 9 and verse 20, that man still had the problem of sin. He had the potential for evil continually. I mean, that was their problem before. Man's, man's mind was only on evil continually. Look at, look at uh, chapter 9, verse 20. It says here, And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both of their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So obviously something happened there. To see their father's nakedness was a bad thing in God's eyes. And the fact that Noah had gotten drunk so we understand that man had the potential to continue on just as he had continued before the flood. He had that potential. The whole group, it says in chapter 11, verse 2, the whole group had traveled to a place called Shinar. I don't know if I've got the map there or not. You know, I don't. They traveled to a place called Shinar, but hey, you've all seen this map. Some of you have even been there. They traveled to a place, and most archaeologists say that the place that they traveled was in between the Tigris and Euphrates River. Okay? In between the Tigris and Euphrates River is what country today? Iraq. There are a lot of our boys and girls over there fighting in Iraq. And that's where they settled. And there's lots of plains over there, and it would have been, been very easy to handle 30,000 people. That would have been no problem to handle 30,000 people. In fact, they say that, and we'll get later on, that the beginning of Babylon, the city of Babylon, started here. And that's the reason Babel and Babylon are so, are so similar. Um, <clears throat> look at verse uh, 4. The people wanted to build, they wanted to build a city. They, they wanted to build a tower. Why? And, and why was that so bad? You know, I, I always asked, you know, they wanted to build a city. They wanted to build a tower. What was wrong with that? What was wrong with that? You know, the, 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 the girls last night uh, had their cousin over, and they built a fort in the playroom. You know, y'all have seen those forts with the blankets and the duct tape. I don't know how I'm going to get the duct tape off the wall without it, you know, taking the paint off. But we'll deal with that later. Hey, it's a great fort. They wanted me to see that fort. They were so proud of that fort. Daddy, look at our fort. Look at our fort. It's got a front porch. It's got a hallway. I don't know how you got a hallway and a fort. But they had a hallway. You would think that's maybe what they were thinking. Daddy, look at our fort. They were proud. You know, if they were the only people making this, they were only 30,000 people in the world making this. They wanted this uh, for the future. They wanted, they wanted to, to make a mark for themselves. Who were they making a mark for? It certainly wasn't people around them. So it had to be people in the future. They wanted to make a name for themselves for people in the future so that they would not be forgotten. How many of us want that? How many times, I mean, how many cemeteries do you go by and they've got monuments 
with their names inscribed. Are you going to have a monument with your name inscribed? I am. We don't want people to forget us. We want people to remember us. We've got that yearning. We've got that same longing. There's people, they did not want to break up. They did not want to, to go across the world and multiply the, the earth like God had commanded them to do. They wanted to stay together. They wanted to stay unified. Really what they were building, the original term, the original word for this was a walled city. They were building a walled city. Okay. Now you would need a walled city. If you're the only 30,000 people there, you're not really thinking that some enemy is going to come and hurt you. So what do you think they were building a walled city for? Well, they were building it for all the animals. Remember, Noah took two of every kind. He took all kinds of birds. He took all kinds of things on the, on the ark. And they were also being fruitful and multiplying. They were getting bigger and bigger. And you had lions and tigers and bears. Hey, you had T-Rexes. You had some saber-toothed tigers then. These were dangerous animals. They wanted to build a walled city. You can't, you can't blame them for wanting to protect themselves, can you? They wanted to build a tower. This is one of the ruins of, of what they call in that particular area. They found about 30 of these. These are one of the ruins of what's called a ziggurat. A ziggurat. Many people don't think, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen doors, woodcut of the Tower of Babel, but it was a spiraling uh, a spiraling staircase type tower. Most scholars don't think that's what they built. They think they built maybe the origins or the first of the ziggurats, which were dirt-filled towers. They weren't hollow like the pyramids were, okay? They had rooms inside and people buried inside. They weren't like that. They were for the gods. That's all this was for. It was dirt-filled. They built a tower with one staircase going to the top. They had a room in the top with a bed and a table. And when the gods came down, that's where they stayed. It was their Motel 6 and they left the light on. We don't know exactly what their particular, but this is one of those that's been found, a ziggurat. Maybe it was like this. And they had built this up to the heavens. You know, when I was a little boy, I used to think that they tried to make it to God. That's what they were trying to do. But the language doesn't say that. They really were just building it up into the heavens. They were building it up into the sky. They were making a memorial for themselves. They were going to make a name for, them, for themselves. Okay? And, but we, we can understand, it's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, that God came down, didn't he? God came down. They weren't even close. We understand from the 21st century, when you get to the moon, you're not even close, are you? You get, to, you get to Mars, you're not even close. We've got satellites and the Hubble telescope that reach way out into space. We're not even close. We could have built a tower upon tower upon tower and they could still be building towers and we wouldn't be close, would we? They were wasting their time. And God knew they were wasting their time. There's a problem that they had. And their problem was this. And you wouldn't think that it would be a problem. Their problem was they were united. That was their problem. 
Their problem was they were united, but their focus was on what they wanted and not what God wanted. That's what their focus was. And we learned some lessons. We learned some lessons from from this particular true story of the Bible. And the first lesson that we learned is people. If you're going to have people, you're going to have problems. Amen? If we're going to have a group of people together that are trying to be unified, they're trying to march the same way, there's going to be problems. You can't help. Just think about your family itself. You're a group of people who are trying to march the same way, and what do you have? You've got problems. People are going to get on your nerves. People are going to say things that you don't like or, or act in a certain way that you don't like. And, and, and where there are people, there are going to be problems. You know, God in his providence, God in his providence, unlike the Oklahoma University quarterback yesterday, could see the whole field. God can see the whole field. God knew what was coming up. He knew how his people were. He knew what they had been like. God's trying to help them. God is disciplining them for future. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Look where they came from. Genesis chapter 6. It says here, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, that's what God understood about man. That's what God had destroyed about man. God didn't want to do that again. God didn't want to do that again. So what's God going to do? You know, man becomes prideful real easy. And God, he, he recognizes that. He recognizes that fact. Uh, he recognizes what was happening. He recognized what was happening. And his punishment, it was appropriate for what was happening at that time. Look at, at chapter 11, verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. And they, have all, they, they all have one language and this is what they began to do. Think about it. You know, if you, had, if you had one wish and you could have anything you wanted, what would you wish for? Well, ten more, ten more wishes, wouldn't you? No, but you know, if you could have one thing and you could do one thing with your life and here it is and, and the Lord's like, and this is what they decided to do with it. I've given them everything and here's what they've decided to do. He, was, he, he says, come let us go down and therefore confuse their language that they, that they may not understand one another's speech. You know, I almost did this. After the services today, I was going to have everybody a name tag, and your name tag was going to have Portuguese on it. Your name tag was going to have Spanish on it. Your name tag was going to have English. Your name tag was going to have Russian and vice versa. Each of the elders were going to have one name tag, and you were going to have to go around after the services, and you couldn't speak to anybody but the Portuguese. And you had to find James, who was the Portuguese elder. I thought that would be neat. Can you imagine the Lord confusing the names of the people? Can you imagine the confusion that would have gone on in here if I'd have done that this morning? People walking around, (laughs) where's James at? Where's the Portuguese guy at? And you're looking around for everybody that's in your group. I hope that he let the babies 
Go with the mamas and daddies. But we don't know that. We don't know that. Maybe mama had to learn their language. Wouldn't that have been something? That's what God did. Even today, the definition of Babel, it means confusion. It means uh, sounds or voices that are noisy and confusing. That's what Babel means. Here it's believed that the city of Babylon got its name. Uh, another lesson that we learn is, is the purposes of God are going to happen whether we want them to or not. God's will will be done. Right? No society is going to undo God's will. Some have tried. Some have tried. Where is Babylon today? It's in the sands, isn't it? Where's the, where's the kingdom of Persia today? It's not there anymore. How about mighty Rome? Where's Rome now? How about Sodom and Gomorrah? How about Nazi Germany? They're all gone, aren't they? A nation that will not do God's will is not long for this world. God's will is going to be done. And a big lesson here, a big lesson that we learned from the Tower of Babel is the lesson of pride. Lesson of pride. God hates division. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. God hates these things. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. God loves unity. He hates division. He really does. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. How good that is. Jesus prayed for unity. If you look over at John chapter 17 verse 21, Jesus prayed for unity. It had a condition on this unity that he prayed for. It was that they be one in us. We have got to be one in God and one in Christ. That's how we're one together. God hates division. But let me tell you something. He is not above dividing us to teach us to fully rely on Him. He's not above it. When we get too prideful... We get what we want, what we want, we will, we, we, we want. And we're so right, we're so right, we're so right, we're, we're, all, we're wrong. 
God has every right to divide us. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I've got it on the screen here. This comes from the open Bible studies that we use uh, for folks. Some of you have, have, have used them. Some of you have been through these studies, okay? And question number 10, okay, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. This, there's a question that comes when you're studying. This is the blue sheet. If you've ever uh, been with the open Bible study, this is the blue sheet. This is the second lesson, the 10th question from the second lesson. Here's the Bible verse that you're supposed to read, and you're supposed to answer questions. There's four questions. We're only going to look at one of them, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and if there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Sounds like he wants unity, doesn't it? Sounds like he wants unity. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? Now there's four questions. I only want you to look at one. I only want you to answer yes or no. If group A, if group A believes that people are saved by faith only, and group B believes that people must believe repent, confess, and be baptized should both change in order to speak the same thing. Let me read it again. If group A believes that people are saved by faith only and group B believes that people must believe, repent, confess, and be baptized should both change in order to speak the same thing. Should they? Are we going to have order? Are we going to have unity at any cost? Is that what we should do? They wanted unity at any cost. They were willing to tramp over God's blessed commandment to do so. Pride will keep us apart and unity at the cost of anything is not God honoring. It was said that the citizens of Babel were united but their unity was opposed to God's will. And today the attempts to maintain the unity of Jesus' body at the expense of truth or righteousness will always, be, will always be frustrated by God's will. God will always frustrate that. This is His story. It's not our story. This is God's story. The Tower of Babel has a great impact on our lives today. It's the origin of different languages. It's the origins of different ideas. It's the origin of, of, of different barriers. It's the origin of different countries. And its impact is still felt by us today. The legacy they are remembered for may not have been the legacy that they wanted to be remembered for. But we remember them, don't we? 
We remember them, we, we remember them because they are in the Bible. That's because God allowed us to remember them. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is, is preaching to the, to the people in Greece. And he says in verse 26, talking about God, the, the unknown God, who they thought was the unknown God, who Paul was there to make known to them. He says in verse 26, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Why? Well, verse 27. So that, so that, why did the Tower of Babel happen? Why did God confuse their languages? Why did he send them and scatter them throughout the rest of the world? Why did he approve and make their boundaries? Well, verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and we have our being. Man needs to be looking for God. Not distracted by everything. <laughs> Look at Acts chapter 28. Acts 28. Paul is preaching that the kingdom has come. He says in he uses Isaiah from the Old Testament in verse 26. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, go to this people and say, hearing he will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. You know, the Tower of Babel was a place of confusion. But God wants us to understand. If we'll understand, he'll, he'll heal us. Do you understand? Or are you building your own tower of Babel and you're confused? Are you ready to do things God's way? Are you ready? Come right now. It's together we stand and sing.